I believe in the political process. I, I believe in voting. I believe in supporting people. I believe in praying about the political issues and challenges of our day. I believe that the Lord raises up people to serve in strategic places and gives them title, and with that title comes influence. But I'm deeply convicted that we can never put the moral climate of this country at the door of local or national government. That hand rests at the door of the church. We have a responsibility. As I came into a series on what is called the fruit of the Spirit, I knew we would be right in the middle of this on this day that we celebrate freedom. Traditionally, I would bring a message and borrow from our forefathers and the kind of foundation of which they envisioned this country to be built. And that is so appropriate. But the leading God gave me coming into this summer was this series and on this day to apply the message so that we understand as Christian people that the Spirit produces in our lives these certain qualities so that our salvation can be worked out, so that what is in us can be worked out to have an influence in what would be called practical, powerful Christianity. And if practical, powerful Christianity is happening through us, we will be a steward that we have been given, that we will honor the stewardship of the redemptive story, which will influence culture. We do not delegate the challenge of morality, the challenge of culture improving to the government. That rests with us to be the light of the world and to be the salt of the earth. I challenge you today to keep your passion about foundations that make a country great, about the sense of accountability that any public official should have and a public servant should have. But don't delegate your responsibility. Let's not abdicate our responsibility as the people of God who live in the mainstream of life every day who have the opportunity to let our light shine. I am not going to raise my kids to so be pointing fingers at government for removing prayer out of school without telling them you can pray every single day at school. You can pray. You can practice your faith. We don't need a law to be passed to be the light of the world. We just need an on-fire heart for Jesus Christ. All we need is to be stirred within our soul. I'm not going to put the, the potential of God in the hands of, of, a, of a government I can't control. I'm going to wake up every day and say, Lord, you giving me the help. I will step up to the identity that you have given me as a believer. And in that, I'll have an influence. I'm going to mark lives. 
So the practical, powerful application of that would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Why don't we point our finger back at us today and get a metric on how we're doing with these qualities? Because if we will live out these qualities, it will revolutionize hearts, homes, and culture. If you believe it, say amen. So let's talk about it today. Let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is wanting to do such a powerful work in our lives. We all know that there are many people who live in a deep disappointment. They're disconnected from God. They are disappointed with life. They are disappointed with people. And yet the Lord has put you and me here as his representatives. God is going to make his appeal to culture through us. He is going to make his appeal to the lost through us. So how we behave makes a huge difference. How we behave is how God uses us to dismantle arguments, to dismantle disappointment to where people taste and see that the Lord Jesus Christ, He is good. He is Savior. He is Deliverer. He is the one who gives purpose and meaning to life. I know it's a dark day because it's The last day. We're living in a season called the last days. But don't lose heart. Take heart. Lift up your eyes. And let me say it. With the world at its worst. Why don't we rise up and be at our best? Light shines the brightest when it's the darkest. Maybe we've never had a finer hour. And we've certainly never lacked the power. To be and build the greatest New Testament church that the world has ever seen. Because the power of the Spirit is operative. And the power of the Spirit is a producer. For He produces in our lives fruit. And today our focus is on this one that we call kindness. When you look at the list called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5... and Please display that list one more time. The way you would approach it is you want to get a definition. What does it mean? They speak for themselves, but they are precisely uh, in Scripture, inspired of the Spirit with such depth that you can swim deep in the meaning of each one of these words. So you want to get a definition. And then each one of them, as I study them, I realize they require a certain circumstance to really be manifest. For example, joy needs a circumstance of sorrow in order to really operate. Think about this. Peace needs a storm to really operate. Patience, it needs a weight in order to really operate. When you study culture, we've never been at a better place to where the circumstance is right for the operative influence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. Can you say amen to that? So today, we consider kindness. This word describes love in action. It's interesting that in the New Living Translation, we have the word gentleness reference. Kindness and gentleness are very close. And as I talk about kindness, I don't want you to think for a moment that this is like for people weak or frail. I mean, this, this may be a preeminent virtue of godly leadership, of strong leadership. It's closely associated with meekness, and we know that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's watching the Discovery Channel as a lioness with its powerful jaws can, it can kill an elephant. And yet that same lioness with those same powerful jaws will lift its cub and carry without damage because we see displayed in that picture not weakness, no, incredible power. It's just under control. Kindness is not a virtue for the weak. It is a virtue for the mature, the strong. You see, there are many blessings to this idea of kindness. It, it will make us like Jesus. There was never a man who lived on this planet with such power as Jesus, and yet look how he expressed kindness. The Bible calls it a loving kindness. If you want to be happy, then let this virtue be produced. Here's my observation. A kind person is easy to live with. A kind person is not easily threatened. A kind person's not... They don't strive for dominance and they don't manipulate. They're not these emotional control freaks. They're free of the need to control or manipulate. Kind people have this calmness because as I study scripture, kind people are being guided by God. Kindness, love in action. I reflected in my life of where I have seen real kindness as I've grown up within a faith family, having been blessed to, to be brought to church and introduced to a concept of God at my earliest memory, parents who raised me in a Christian home, a, a God-centered home, who took me to church where I sat under the teaching as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, as an adult, and now as a senior adult. That was supposed to be funny. Dear God, do I look that old? Anyway, uh, I feel that. Anyway, and, and I thought about let me talk to you about J.W. Wages for a moment. Old Brother Wages, who was there in Pine Bluff First Assembly. I just thought he had always been around because this guy, if the church doors were open, he was there. I can remember as a young pastor, I didn't know what to do. I, I was clueless. I had no experience. And so I thought, you know, if you don't know what to do, do something. And I remember on a Sunday night, I'm just preaching my heart out. And without any warning, I, I hadn't even thought about it myself. But right in the middle of the sermon, I said, we're starting a prayer meeting. We're starting a prayer meeting every Monday morning at 5 a.m. 
and I preached everybody dangling over hell if they didn't come to the 5 o'clock prayer meeting. My staff was looking at me, all two of them, like, you have lost your mind. My wife was looking at me like, you haven't thought this through. Because that means we're getting up about a quarter to four after Sunday, getting up a quarter to four, going to church. But I want to tell you who was always at that prayer meeting was J.W. Wages. And as a boy, watching him and, and, and observing him over time, I'm not talking about a, for a season, a month or two, for years, I watched this man. And I don't care if it was a child or an adult, he could connect with people. And as I've studied kindness, here's one picture you get. It's a quality of Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as I studied the word kindness, it took me to that word yoke, the yoke of Jesus. Now, the yoke of Jesus was this example of that day, the oxen, they were yoked together and they could pull in the same direction. And Jesus was saying, as people come into relationship with me, and as they move where I'm leading, there's a harmony, there's a flow. If we pull against each other, that is hard and heavy. If we will submit to God, we, we find the ease, not pain-free, but there's a sustenance, a sustainability to life. It, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. We come into that, and as I studied that word yoke and what it means that his yoke is easy and how it connects to this word kindness, here's the practical application. People who are really kind, they make the effort to find the fit. They connect. They figure out how to connect. Brother wages, whether it was a child or an adult, he had this heart to make the effort to connect. There were other people, wonderful people in my church that I grew up in, but I don't describe them like that. Why? Because they simply didn't make the effort with the generations. They may have been connected to an immediate circle. This person found the fit with all the generations. He was a hero among the children, a hero among the young people. He was a hero among the adults. What is that saying? He was kind. What does that mean? It means he found a way to connect. He yoked up by the effort and the sacrifice. Now, kindness is captured in that illustration. I pray we would be challenged for the Spirit to produce. Do you need a better connection with the family members in your home under your roof? Do you need a, a greater connection of influence with the people you work with? Do we need a greater connection as a faith family with culture? We find, we work in order to find this fit. Another word that you'll see so closely associated with kindness because it is love in action is the word mercy. Mercy, it, mercy is, an, is an awesome word. Mercy to me is, it like goes beyond what we would think is fair. Let me describe. It's where we give blessings that are undeserved. It's where we withhold punishment that is deserved. 
Isn't it interesting? Within a legal system, there are consequences, and we believe in consequences for actions. But in the minor things of life, or even abuse within a family, it can grow within our hearts this idea, I'm going to make that person pay. And as I've studied this word kindness, there's such a quality of mercy that it leads to saying, I'm going to write this off. What he did, what she did, I'm going to write it off. I, I was working to make them pay, but I'm going to write this off, and I'm going to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone in your life right now that you're trying to make pay? See, kindness. Kindness has a depth. It has a texture to it that says, I'm going to make the sacrifice to connect. How effectively this applies and challengingly this applies to us as parents. I remember when we had our first child, I'd never been a parent. As that child has grown and is now a young adult, I've had to give of myself, and at times with success, and at times with failure, of trying to figure out how do I live as an effective father in these seasons? I can't just think it will happen. And then you know by having kids that each of them have a love language. We have three. They all came you know, from our DNA, but yet they have their uniquenesses in their own love language. And if I try to love each one of them the same, I'm going to miss someone in that effort. You see, I've got kindness says, I'm going to figure out the fit. I'm going to connect. Think of bringing that into the context of your marriage. When you get into the Old Testament and you study kindness, it, it's fabulous. It'll take you to Esther and you'll see the king who is on the throne with his scepter. And when people came into the presence of the king, they never knew if they had entered rightly or if he was in a good attitude. And if he lifted the scepter, it said, you can approach me even closer and we can talk. If he didn't lift that scepter, it just spoke a message to his mighty men, kill that person. And when you study kindness, it gives you this opposite, this, if you want to know what it's not, it would apply in this modern day to some husband and father who likes to isolate in some room of the home and live in such a way that you are the potentate, that you are the dictator, and that you're not approachable, but on certain terms. And everybody kind of fears you as you sit there with your remote and tell everybody what to do. That is not the fruit of the Spirit. It's an, a fabulous word. It's a word that says, I'm going to connect. It's a word that leads me to merciful, merciful action. It is, okay, you should have to pay. You did wrong, but mercy rises. Kindness is expressed. See, I've got to have a circumstance for kindness to operate. The fruit of the Spirit can't be operative without the right context. If there's someone who has 
crossed you or done you wrong. You've got the perfect circumstance for kindness to manifest. And it will manifest in mercy that says, I'm going to write this off. As we consider this word kindness, it's a word of giving. Now listen carefully because this applies. Giving, it is, kindness is a, an action. It so prefers others that it says, you know what? I want to address injustice. Now, no matter how you, you look at the whole demonic attack of sex slavery, of human trafficking, it just breaks your heart. And when the Spirit is producing kindness, you are going to want to, to give. There's the key word. You're going to want to give. And you want to give in such a way that it tries to right the wrong, that it, it addresses the injustice. So when you gave money so that a water, uh, an elaborate water filtration system could be put into the House of Grace in Thailand so that these girls could be brought to that home rather than kidnapped into the sex slave trade, your kindness was expressed in giving that was correcting an injustice. We are now just two weeks away from 21 people going to Uganda where there are tens of thousands of people in this area. And you, by your generosity, you have built a school. That school will house over 300 children. One thing that you and I living in this country have been blessed with is the ability to dream. Now... I know there are certain things that tries to rain on the dream, but you can wake up and you can process opportunity. I just want to tell you that a child growing up in this village in Uganda where we're going does not have the same opportunities that a child growing up in this country has. That child doesn't have the same opportunities that a child has in this community. Well, we feel like children should have opportunity. We feel like those children have been given a mind that is God-given, a body that is God-given. They have energy and they're going to have ideas. And so we, we see that as that's, that's wrong and we're going to do what we can. So we build a school where their mind... We have teachers from this church who have developed curriculum and they're going and going to teach and teach their teachers and it is going to be fabulous. And I want to tell you, it is a a modern day picture of Holy Spirit produced kindness. You gave money, you are giving time, it creates the need to sacrifice so that other people can have a wrong made right in their life. Spirit produced Kindness, kindness, it's giving, it's in the grocery store line. When you're in a hurry, but the cashier is not, or they're, they're irritable, the waitress is irritable, you're, you're not being treated exactly the way 
you deserve or you think you should be treated, but you give a smile. You dismantle that entire atmosphere of tension with kindness. Now, in the church, we spend effective time on how to get beyond your past hurt. If you don't reconcile your past, you can never have the future God wants you to have. So I am, I am confident in God's word to help you address the issues of your past so that you're free to go forward, and we must spend time on that subject. But let me remind you that if you're on a pursuit of healing over what has happened in the past, I want you to see that this virtue could be the missing piece of fruit, the very ingredient that's going to either bring you to healing or complete the healing in your life from your past hurt. And here's the way I would explain that. When you give of yourself and yet you're hurting, when you are giving, and remember, it is addressing injustice and yet something very, very, maybe even illegal or immoral has happened to you. There's been a great injustice done to you, and yet here you are giving so that an injustice in someone else's life can be corrected. Remember this truth. In the measure you give, it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Which means the healing you're looking for is captured in the seed of giving. The kindness that you would give that corrects an injustice will have a return of healing in your own life that will help you with the injustice that has happened to you. The depth of kindness that we talk about today is a spirit-produced kindness. It does show up in as practical a, an effort as a smile. I tell you, I, I thought about Brother Wages and Whenever he came into your presence, he smiled. He was always smiling. And I processed, what did that mean to me as a boy, as a teenager? I'll tell you, it spoke acceptance to me. It spoke approval. You all know how a dirty look from someone gives you a certain feeling and how a smile from someone gives you a certain feeling. You see, a, a kind person will smile. And that smile speaks of acceptance and approval. A kind person will express it not just in their smile, but their words. This man lit up the hallways of the church with words of encouragement. We had gossips in that church. We don't have any here. So I never preach on that. But back in that day, we had, we had some back row buzzards that would gossip every opportunity they had. But never around him. Never. Because he, 
his light was so strong and dominant and pure and authentic, you wouldn't taint it with that immature, negative news speech. Words and expression. So we're being challenged today with this whole idea of kindness. Right on a a freedom celebration of our country, I would say, if it was a kinder culture, it would be better. And the only way we see culture become more kind is for the people of God to steward this virtue. To steward this fruit of the Spirit. We have some major issues that need to be confronted. If we don't have this virtue, then as we raise biblical truth to confront lifestyle, we will be shut out if we come across as angry rather than kind. You can tell the truth In love that is kind. It was God's kindness, the Bible says, that led us to repentance. And if there's ever been a day where we talk about moral issues and identity issues and and biblical truth about marriage, men and women, it is today. But it must be declared through a heart where the fruit of the Spirit is being produced Because Paul wrote it here and in Corinthians that love is kind. I close with Isaiah 53. Where it says, in prophetic word of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain, bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. Are you thankful for that? That's kindness that led us to repentance. Here's what came to my heart. You can write this down somewhere. You can tweet this. You can do whatever. Most of all, just receive it into your spirit. People need more than a bumper sticker on our car. They need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. People need more than a bumper sticker on our car. They need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let's pray today.